Welcome to the Interviews Podcast. Welcome, Interisti, to episode 56 of the Interviews podcast. We are here for the post-match reaction of Napoli Inter, which finishes 3-0 to the visitors at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Goals from Hakan Chalonoglu in the 44th, Nicolo Barella in the 61st, and Marcus Turam in the 85th. As always, I am one half of your co-hosting duo, Alessandro Rafa, joined here by Johnny Paterno. And Johnny, we'll start with this. What would you like to say to all of the Napoli fans out there that we're talking about the start of a dynasty after our team went into their home and uh, absolutely blew them away? Yeah, I mean, you know, every dynasty falls, right? everyone so it's pretty funny that they uh you know got to to be champions for one year it took them 30 what 34 years to get this championship congratulations you know but uh this might have been the shortest run dynasty in the history of the world and this is why you don't just start counting your chickens um you know even i think even in daristi after we won I mean, we didn't even get to enjoy the victory, to be quite honest. We really had like maybe 16 hours of good feels. And then the rumors started flying that Conte was leaving. This guy's being sold. That guy's being sold. So we didn't, you know, and I, but I don't, I don't remember even when we won that, oh, we're going to win it again next year. Like, I, I don't remember that kind of mentality. Um, that, that, that even if you are saying it jokingly, but it just comes off as very, very arrogant because things can happen in football, right? Injuries. Players could be signed. Players could be sold. You, you don't know if, it, like, if, What's going to happen from one year to the next? So to go from that and now just get absolutely throttled with pretty much the same roster aside from Kim Min Jae, right? It's it, it just shows the work that Spalletti did and maybe even gives him more credit for what he did with that squad. Because if these guys, listen, not that I'm saying Mazzari is even close to the level of Spalletti, but... For the drop-off in quality to be this extreme, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, at the start of the season when we had uh, Diani on for um, you know our picks for Serie A, I said that I thought Napoli would miss out on top four, and I said it because I thought last year was catching lightning in a bottle and a bit of magic. Um, obviously, we're early in the year, only 14 games in, and we'll see how things play out the rest of the year, but the... The better team tonight was undoubtedly Inter, um, and we'll talk about this game. Why don't we get into it? So in the first half, the game starts with sort of a blistering start. Um, Elif Elmas rips a shot from, I think, like 30 yards, and Somer makes an absolutely incredible save, and we'll talk about him you know, a little bit later in the podcast. He's he's definitely up there for man of the match. Um but let me just give let me just ask you a question. After today's performance, is it clear that he is the number one goalkeeper in Serie A, or does Manyan still have that despite having a down year? No, no. Jan Sommer is the best goalkeeper in Serie A, um, and I'm not just trying to be biased. And yes, I know Manyan is having a down year. Uh, listen, I said in the beginning of the year that I thought Manyan was the best keeper in Serie A. I wasn't discrediting him. 
but the mental errors, the the howlers that he's been allowing in, um, you know, that's not that's not typical of a world class goalkeeper. And listen, maybe it could be a down year, maybe it could be a lack of motivation. However, you want to look at it, um, but you have not seen that lack of focus um, from Jan Sommer from from minute one. You know, and people were were throwing their arms up because of a bad preseason game, and they were saying we're not going to go far with him. We're you know they're ready to throw him under the bus. Literally, his first game in in pouring rain with an unfamiliar squad. Like, give the guy ninety minutes, but they were over him in like fifteen, and now they're all singing their praises and. Listen, I don't I don't like to just call out Interisti, but I'm gonna with this. Like you should have shut your mouth before you actually saw him really play like a meaningful minute, to be quite honest. Like people were making fun of me for saying this is already the second best keeper in the league. People were making fun of me for saying I think he's a top ten goalkeeper in the world. I think he is world class. You clearly never watched him play if you did not recognize that the, the abilities that this guy had. Like he was playing at Borussia Mönchengladbach, not a sexy team, but he was winning titles at Basel before he went to Gladbach, and then he won with um, with with Bayern. Yeah, you could say that was because Dortmund really like blew it themselves, but he always killed year, it during the internationals as well with Switzerland. Yeah, he, I mean, I dreaded playing Switzerland, not even just because of of Shakiri, because you never know when he could pull out a wonder goal. But I knew Summer was a net, and that guy was just, he was world class. So. To get him for as cheap as we did, and now you're seeing it play out the way he is. This is like, you know what, for the way that I got crucified for saying I would die on the hill of Radu for starting that game against Bologna, and I was so, quote-unquote, excited to see him play. Now it's like, I told you so about Summer. So I'll take I'll take the bad with Radu, and I'll take the good with this one. I never doubted him, and he is... You can make an argument that, yeah, listen, the goals that Lautaro's scoring at the rate he's playing, fantastic. But you can make a legitimate case that Jan Sommer has been the player of the season so far for Inter. Yeah, and I think, you know, Nima, before the start of the season, he mentioned potential, like, flop signing of the year, and he mentioned Sommer. I think a lot of people had this perspective coming into this year that because of what we saw out of Onana last year, that it would be impossible for Somer to, you know, reach those heights. And he is, he's doing it in a different way, right? He's doing it in more of a classic keeper, shot stopper kind of way, as opposed to the flair that Onana showed last year. But nonetheless, I think it's a an easy argument to say that he's been the best keeper in Serie A this year. And I think he's been one of the best in Europe. Um, as a whole, but we'll come back to the Swiss keeper. The first half, th- there was a, a bit of a slow start for Minter, which I think was expected given um, some of the guys that had gotten the the rest for the Champions League week, sort of getting you know getting into the rhythm of the game. Napoli, they definitely showed their their quality on the ball, especially in the final third. Um, you know those quick touches. They have a lot of, of very technical players, and this absolutely is is a huge win for Inter because of of how much quality they have in their team. Um, we had an offside goal from Turam, a shoulder that just straight offside. Early on in the game, De Vrij gets hurt, and Carlos Augusto comes in at left center back. We'll talk about the shift that he put in. Um, Dumfries had a, a bad giveaway, putting the ball centrally. Another shot, another shot saved by Somer that came from Elmas. Um, we weren't being very clinical in the final third. Politano gets a crossbar. 
Lautaro is a little bit wrestled back by Di Lorenzo. Uh, Meret, Meret makes the save. Uh, and then we get the end of the first half with a screamer from Hakan Chalanoglu. People, I don't know that a ball can be struck as well as <laughs> any better than Hakan drilled that from far out, just right into the bottom corner. And I think Hakan's having one of the best years of his career, goal scoring wise, but it's been the penalties. He showed that he still got it from distance with an absolute belter into the bottom corner that no keeper in the world is going to save that. Just the pace on it was outrageous. Yeah, no, it was it was perfectly struck. And at first, when I first saw it, I thought, was that a deflection? And then when you see how cleanly he gets that and the curve that he's able to put on that ball and to keep it at a low trajectory... Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think you could have hit that ball any better, any cleaner. He could take that shot in training a hundred more times, and he won't hit it any better than he did with this one. So, um, yeah, loved it. I'm glad he was able to score from you know open play. I think that's that's huge for confidence too. You know, it's easy when you're you're you know you're taking the penalties and you know those are coming, but you almost feel like. I mean, I know like with the striker that I've played with, he, he would score penalties for us and he would almost not even count them in his total because he felt like I should be doing that. It's if I'm able to like really move it in the box or take shots outside of it that I really feel like I'm contributing to the team. Um, and I'm sure uh, to an extent, maybe not truly, because obviously Hakan has influence all over the pitch, but I'm sure a little part of him wanted to get something from open play to be able to feel like, all right, now I'm really contributing to, to the way things are going, uh, not just from the penalty spot. That aspect of his game, the shots from distance is really what put him on the map in Europe in the first place. Right. And we don't, we haven't seen a ton of that. I mean, he's had some amazing goals um, in an inter shirt, but we haven't seen a ton this year, but he puts it in uh, beautiful, beautiful goal. Also a great touch by, but to set it up. I think it was incredibly important that goal because Napoli had 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 been the more dangerous team in that first half, despite the fact that, you know, we had that offside goal and we had a chance from Lautaro. They, they were great on the ball and they had, they had been more dangerous. And I think letting in that goal right before um, halftime sort of broke them mentally a little bit. It, it's their second straight defeat at home. And um, I think it was, it was super, super important for us to get that goal right before halftime. Second half, we start much more uh, offensively than we did in the first half. There was a ball that Mickey should have put right onto Barella in the box, but he placed it just out of his reach. We'll talk about Mickey's performance today. Um, Somer with another insane save off of Cavada. Uh, and then we have the first, I guess, the second controversial incident. Um We'll go back to the Hakan one. The second controversial incident, which was the Acerbi tackle on Osiman in the box. Um, I have a clear idea of, of which way I think it should have been called, but what do you think about that tackle from Acerbi on Osiman? Is that a uh, is that a penalty or you know incidental contact? Look, I thought the same thing when Taram got the penalty against Benfica. I thought it was a bit of a soft call. Um, I understand why they called it because just by the rule, it is, I guess, even though to me he just taps his foot. I don't know. Um, when you look at this one where it just grazes the Achilles, 
same thing came to my mind. I don't think it's a penalty. Would I have been furious if they called it? Probably not, to be honest. But I didn't think it was a penalty. You know, people could say, "Oh, you're, you're biased." I, I really, if if the same thing happened to Lauti, I wouldn't have thought it was a penalty, to be honest. Like it, it's just a grazing. It, it literally, like, there's no intention to to commit a foul. There's no intention to impede his his forward progress. It's more incidental contact. And if you call a penalty in that instance, obviously you change, you know, the trajectory of the game. Um, but then it also just takes it just takes the play out of the players. Um, so I, I'm I'm glad they didn't call it. I could I mean, listen, Napoli fans are going crazy on Twitter, and then every you know Milanista and Juventino is saying that you know we are it's a Marotta League, whatever, <laughs> buddy. If that penalty like, was called you, against you, your... think this is Marotta League, this is your first year watching Serie A because I mean, what are we yeah. talking about here? What are we talking about? Calls going in Inter's favor. Be real. Be real. Yeah, like if you call that though, like against Milan or Juve, they'd be losing their minds. They would be losing their minds. Truthfully, like they they, they don't want it. They want it to be called against Inter because they want to be still within the race, you know. But it's not a penalty. This, I don't understand the special the the special treatment conversation. Like you can we can pull up look at the goal the penalty that wasn't given to Bologna in the Juventus game. Look at the Pulisic um handball that goal standing for Milan. There's no special treatment like big big clubs get calls all throughout the year. Like if you look at it at the end of the year, it it likely evens out. It likely evens out. Like it it is what it is. As far as the Osimhen and Acerbi coming together is concerned. If you look at the video, I know this is an audio-only podcast, but I'm sure if you open up Twitter, you'll find it pretty easily. The contact of Acerbi's foot also happens at the same time that his hip and Osimhen's hip collide. If you look at the way that Osimhen goes down, it's not from it's not from the the Acerbi foot going into his ankle. They they collide hip to hip, and Osimhen throws himself on the floor pretty theatrically so listen if like johnny like you were saying if if that happened to lautaro i would be screaming for a penalty but i it's not egregious yeah i mean of course because i'm i'm very biased i'm very very biased and i will yeah i I don't know if i'd be i'd be saying ah you could call it but i don't know if you're screaming for a penalty. i get where i get where you're coming from but i don't think i would have me personally i don't think i would have been like oh my gosh what a crime committed against you like i would I, we've we've not gotten calls that were worse than this one. So I like, yeah, uh, but I get where I think, you're from for sure. I think that this the main point that I'm trying to make is this is nowhere near as egregious as the Rabio handball last year, or was it? I think it was Rabio handball last year. The uh, Pulisic handball this year. The con the foul on Dan and Doy in the Bologna Juventus match, like. None of this is not doesn't even cl- come close to that. So if you want to scream out of the league, <laughs> you're you're screaming. I at forgot the- about that foul between the Juve Bologna match. That's yeah, completely took him out from behind. I mean, those yeah. were actual, actual Egregious. like refereeing scandals. Whatever. This yeah. is not a scandal. This is not a scandal. Um, and also he threw himself to the floor. Like he he, it was very theatrical, and it's hard for the ref to give it when it's that theatrical. So. Anyway, um, the game goes on. Inter goes up 2-0 with a beautiful square ball into the box by Lautaro for Barella, who 
just perfectly goes past a couple Napoli defenders and puts it into the bottom corner past Medet. Um, this is the goal that I think mentally broke Napoli for sure. And uh, we had a much easier time the rest of the match. They just weren't threatening. And, you know, we ended up getting a third. But uh, what did you think of that that goal that Barella gets on the, the score sheet for the first time this year? What a way to open your account, huh? I mean, just brilliant play. You saw him coming from outside the 18, calling for the ball. Beautifully played to him. The way he's able to control the ball, dribble around, and then fire at bottom corner. If that's not a world-class finish, then I don't know what world-class is. I mean, and the way people talk about him and we're ripping into him. And I saw tweets even... even I, I tried to stay off Twitter, but I did see some tweets where people were saying... Oh, Barella, where, where are you? What are you doing? You're holding this team back. Uh, I don't know what games you've been seeing the last like four or five games. I don't know where he's been holding them back. I'll admit, he started off pretty bad this year. I mean, not very uninspiring play and looked very lethargic. He had moments of brilliance, but for the most, the overall, and it's the same thing you and I have both said with our, our, our critique of Dumfries. You can have an assist. You can you can have something that leads to a goal, but that that still doesn't take away from the fact that you played terribly. So even when Barella was getting assists against Fiorentina and stuff like that, he was still playing poorly. So for him though to have the impact he had, not only on this one, but then also the assist the next one, um, or really the assist kind of leading to an assist. Um, the hockey assist. The hockey assist. Yeah. There we go. I mean. Actually, he but he actually did also assist on Hakan's goal. So what am I talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, what what do you want him to do? Do you want him to score like like Jude Bellingham? Will that make you appreciate him and understand the player that we have on this squad? He is arguably one of the top three, top five midfielders in all of Europe. And you could put, you know, if you want to put De Bruyne, Bellingham because of his goal scoring right now. I think as a total midfielder, I think I would still take Barella over either one of those two because of how he can impact every aspect of the game. You know, if I just if I just want goals, sure, I'll take Bellingham. If I just want assist, maybe I'll just go for De Bruyne. But if I want someone who can do everything, it's Nicolo Barella. Yeah, and I hate when his name gets sucked into the PL fans talking shit on Twitter. Like, that's the one guy, like, if you want to, you know, criticize Lautaro, whatever it is, but, like, you're not watching football if you don't think that Barella is, is a top-class player. Um, and it's just a great goal for him to break his duck, you know? Like, it's not – I'm sure he would have taken anything, a tap-in at that point, but um, instead he goes on a, uh, a little slalom there and puts it in the back of the net for the 2-0. Um, game keeps going. Dumfries squares it across to Lauti, who skies it over. Should have been three nothing. Um, Osimen gets, gets on the end of a, a cross from Natan, who I thought Natan looked looked pretty good today uh, for Napoli. I will say, um, you know, just to give them a little credit, Natan looks like he's he's going to be a good player. Sends it in for Osimen. Osimen puts it wide. Um, Turam has a point blank shot blocked. Then Dumfries gets hurt. Uh, Quadrado comes into the game and then Osimen is offside on a point blank header, but Somer makes a inhuman save, like literally like an alien um, to somehow have the reflexes to get there. 
Uh, and then Cuadrado gets the goal. Barella pings a ball across the field to um, to Cuadrado. Then Cuadrado gets the assist, plays it across the uh, the box for Turam, who taps it in. 3 nothing, and uh, that pretty much sees the game out um, in the 85th minute. So just a great game, a great game from Inter. I don't think that, like, after watching that first half, I, I was impressed with what Napoli was able to do. But at the end of the day, um, Inter wasn't in too much danger, even when Napoli was having their best periods of the match. And then we just took over. I think, you know, I tweeted after the game, after three years or in our third year with Inzaghi, both him and the boys look like they've matured a lot. And, you know, a, a performance like this really gives you hope for what we can do this year on all fronts, right? Whether it's in Serie A, whether it's in the Champions League, um, I have high hopes to this team. This is a really quality team when healthy. And, um, you know, really interesting to see how we, really interested to see how we play this thing out. Let's go ahead and and get into these players. Should we start, let's start with the back line. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about Somer. So we spoke about that save on Elmas in the first half. Um, he had two saves on Elmas that were amazing. Another one on uh, on Cavada and another one on Osimen. Um, we talked about him being potentially the best uh, keeper in Serie A. Is he your man of the match for tonight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's hard to not give it to him. Just truly I mean, incredible play. The save that he had on Cavada in the first half, the save that he had, I mean, granted offsides, Um on Osimen, he had another one that was. I mean, I think he would have had, but it was just out of reach. That was off another header from from Osimen, but I think he would have. He had it covered. His reaction and his even his distribution today. He had a ball that he played up the middle on the ground to Hakan. Had to be at least I don't know 45, 50 yard pass that it just. I mean, something that we saw um, Onana do last year. And people were praising him. And then he just did it himself today, which I didn't know he even had that um, ability. So I thought he was tremendous. Really, really. I mean, he's just a, such an invaluable player. Like, you, you, he's a guy you need if you want to win a title. He makes those timely saves. And I'm not saying that Onana didn't. Onana was fantastic for us. Obviously, the, the criticism that he getting this year, that just that's just a dysfunctional club. But... What I'm seeing from Jan Sommer, I'm I'm almost scared to say this because I feel like I'm going to get backlash, but I'm going to say it anyway. Not to take anything away from Handanovic and his time with Inter, he was massive for us and made tremendously. In fact, that if it had not been for him, we may have been, who knows, possibly like outside of the top ten, you know, some years during the banter era. But what we're seeing from Sommer might be the most influential goalkeeping that we've seen at Inter since Julio Cesar. People may disagree. People may not like that. Not, may not like that take. Handanovic was never good with his feet. His strength was always his reflexes, and not so much. You know, positioning wasn't really tremendous. I mean, there was times where I'm just like, "What are you doing that far? You know, in the middle or that far away from your near post?" Um, but then his reflexes would make up for it. Once he got older, he wasn't able to make those saves. Summer positioning is fantastic. His distribution has been great. His ability 
one thing that I love from like Onana, he's also able to do his ability to handle rebounds and limit them and not put them in dangerous places is incredible as well. I am beyond thrilled to have him. And that's really just my long way of saying he was a man of the match. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, when you're playing a team like Napoli that has the firepower of Osimen, Cavada, um, you know, Politano, Almas was, Almas was really good today. Um, I really, really liked what I saw from him. And I know that there's some interest from Inter, and I think it could be, we'll talk about who he could potentially replace in a little bit, but um, you, you can't expect them to not create quality opportunities. And they did today. And, and Somer is the reason why this ends up being, you know, a three nil, a blowout as opposed to a tighter game. I don't know of recent Inter keepers that, you know, outside of Onana that could have made that save, um, especially on the, in the later years. And even Aldero does not get to, to most of those balls. So tremendous performance from Jan. I'm happy for him that he's starting to get the recognition that he's probably deserved his whole career. He just hasn't, you know, being a Swiss keeper playing for Mönchengladbach, you know, being thrust into the starting situation at, at uh, Bayern because of a injury to Neuer. I don't think they fully appreciated him because they looked at him as a backup and he finally gets his opportunity to start for a top European club. And this is, he's not doing anything that's too different from what he's been doing his whole career. He's just finally getting the exposure that he deserves. So great game from Sommer. Probably give him an eight for this one. Um, Darmian just super, super solid and just owned Kabata a few times. Those dance moves, he was not falling for, for them at all. Um, which I think Simona said after the match, like he didn't switch over Darmian to left center back and put in Bisek. He put Augusto at left center back because he felt like he needed Darmian to, to cover Kabata, which just goes to show the faith that the, the manager has in him to be able to shut down oftentimes our rival's uh, best player. A great, a great game from Darmian. Um, what would you give him for, for a rating? Yeah, Darmian, I'd probably have to give, um, I'd say seven. I think it was a, a very typical Darmian match where this is the, what, the third time now that he's been able to contain Cavada. I mean, I think it's uh, safe to say that that he's got him kind of figured out. Uh, it's, it's interesting that when we see Cavada excel, and when we see him have these great games, it's always against clubs that have weaknesses in defense. And they don't have someone who is not even like just consistent in a back line. Um, Darmian, I wouldn't say is like world class, but he is, you know, maybe a, a, a notch or two below that. But he's just consistent and he knows how to position himself. He knows how to limit a player's movement and his ability to get free and, and get chances on net. Um you know, and maybe that that might be my biggest knock again on Cavada is that I just don't see it happening against the best of the best. Um, enough for me to think that it's you know it's it's just an anomaly that it doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, Mateo, hats off to you, man. I don't know where we would be without you on that right side, given you know the injury that we had to Bavard. Um, because I mean, the guy's just when he's called upon, he never fails us, and I love that. Switching to Acerbi, who started the game at left center back, and then eventually De Vrij got hurt, so he had to move to center center back. I thought Acerbi was like perfectly positioned all game. 
Um, Osimhen was not influential. I mean, he got on the end of um, a couple crosses, but didn't do anything with it. Um, Acerbi was able to follow him and, you know, really pocket. I think Osimhen's a 26-year-old striker in his prime, and Acerbi is his uh, old man river over here, just, you know, containing some of the best best forwards in the world. Um, really liked what I saw from Francesco's having – a stellar, stellar season. Um, just his whole time in uh, in Intercolors has been amazing. Uh, he's hardly put a foot wrong. Yeah, no, um, completely agree with everything you said. Um, I would give him a, a six and a half only just because I, I feel like Darmian was a little better. Not that Achebe did bad. I just think Darmian was, was, was a little bit better. Um, I feel like the guy has consistently proven me wrong, though. He was someone that I was not excited about when we did sign him. But his play, you know, obviously he's better in a back three than he is in a back four. And no matter who he's going up against, whether it be an Osimhen, whether it be, um, you know, a Vlaovic or a, even Erling Haaland, he rises to the occasion and is able to shut them down. And that's truly remarkable, especially for a player of his age who lacks pace. Um, but he uses his brain to, to make up for what he lacks for in speed, and it's just it's incredible. Devry goes down with an injury pretty early on in the game. It looks like an adductor strain. Um, no telling how long he's going to be out for at the moment, but luckily Bastoni looks like he's on his way back, so hopefully we can just slide a be back to center-center back and, and get Bastoni in there at left-center back as soon as possible. Um, but nonetheless, you know, one defender comes back in, one defender goes out, uh, looks like our back line has been has been where we've been susceptible to the injuries and uh, unfortunate for Stefan, who's been having a, a really good year so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm kind of heartbroken for him. I feel like, yeah, like the same thing. He's he's been so great for us all season. Uh, he's someone that I thought was finally not finally, but yeah, getting back to what won him best defender in Serie A that level. Um, it's a shame. You know, I feel like he would have been another vital guy for us. Uh, throughout the season however you know hopefully it's nothing too serious where he'll be able to be back and you know in a game or two or something and, and just you know get himself a, a well-deserved vacation let's call it who do you put in the center of defense if you're resting at Chatterby and Devra is hurt wow that's tough yeah um let's say you are resting at Chatterby I would probably honestly feel better putting Dadami on there and then maybe at, having at center uh, center back. Yeah, I mean, but unless Bastoni's back, like I mean, we don't know. Who's like, your, who's your best three if the only ones that you don't have available to you are Devray and Acerbi? If you don't have Devray or Acerbi, okay. So then, what I would do is Pavard on the right. I would put Augusto on the left, honestly, and then Bastoni in the middle. I would feel better with Bastoni in the middle because. What I think he always gets caught out is when he goes too far up on the left. Now, that does take away a part of his strength. However, to be in the center and to be able to distribute from there, then he has opportunities to go to the left wing back, the right wing back, and play outlet passes that way. Um, and he could play diagonal balls to the right side. So I think that that would really kind of hide his deficiencies as an actual defender. Um, and it would allow you know Pavard to do what he does best Augusto, we saw what he did today. Um, you know, may, people may not agree with it, but if you're not going to put Darmian 
on the right. You know, obviously you don't want to move Pavard to the left, so one of them is going to have to be sacrificed. And when when I have those guys available to me, I would obviously pick Pavard over over Darmian um, if I had the option. So. Yeah, I would do the same thing. I'd do Pavard, uh, Bastoni, and Augusto only because Bisek doesn't have a ton of experience at left center back this year. Yeah. I wouldn't put Darmian at left center back only because he's play- He's rotating between right wing back and right center back. Like it's just it's too much for a guy to have to uh, you know keep track of the responsibilities that he needs to do. So. That's what I do. And speaking of Carlos Augusto at left center back, he came in and, and put a great shift in today. Uh, was really, really good defensively. Had a couple one-twos with Lautaro and f- found himself um, in the box. Didn't create anything overly dangerous, but a good shift from uh, from the Brazilian. Yeah, no, I was I was very happy with, with, with that. Um, that was something I forgot if somebody, it might have been you, not me, but one of us said it early in the season where... If, if this type of situation had, we could actually see Augusto stepping into that. We could, you know, I would rather him do it than than Di Marco as the at center back because of his ability defending. Um, yeah, and I think he did a job, which is all you could ask for. You know, when the manager gives you an opportunity, you need to to take it and run with it. And he did exactly that. So, yeah, very happy with it. Yeah, and we also saw what we saw in the Benfica game uh, later on the game with a little bit of Di Marco and Carlos Augusto switching and rotating that left center mm-hmm. back and left wing back, which is a really interesting look. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested in seeing <clears throat> seeing a little bit more of that, but I'm looking at my notes here. Let's talk about the wing backs. So much of my notes for Di Marco and Dumfries are really overlapping. Um, that they both looked off the pace. They both lacked intensity. The end product wasn't really there. Just, uh, I think Nima had tweeted, you know, that Napoli was working to take away our wingbacks. It, they did so. Uh, they were just not. <laughs> Didn't take much effective. today. Yeah, they were just not effective. Um, Dumfries had another bad giveaway where he gives the ball away in a bad spot for us and we immediately yeah. get countered. Really, really need to stop seeing that. I think he's nursing an injury he obviously came off hurt today, um, so I don't want to kill the guy too much. But you know, lumping both of these wingbacks today, no more than than a five, five and a half for the both of them. It's just they just didn't match the intensity from the rest of the team. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with you. I don't think there's really much else to say about them. Um, you know, I could sit here and go like the sensei from Cobra Cry and give Dumfries no mercy, but I'm gonna move on and and not be that vicious. So. And hopefully he's not he's not too hurt. Although I do think uh, Darmian Cuadrado, um, you know Darmian to start the game and to keep things tight. And then if we need Cuadrado to come on and break things open, I think that could be a, a fun combination moving forward. But we do need Pavard to come back. Chalanoglu, you know, beautiful strike into the bottom corner. He wasn't as influential today uh, because there was one midfielder for Inter that essentially just took the game over. Um, but Chala wasn't seen too much today, you know, just from my notes, uh, it's the goal and, you know, it was a good one. It was a good one. It was, it was a beautiful one. I mean, yeah, like he didn't, he didn't do anything of, of tremendous note, but he also didn't do anything poorly, like nothing where he, he didn't give the ball away poorly in the middle of the pitch or he didn't, you know, have any issues, uh, defending or any lapses in, in concentration, which is always what you want to see from your your guy who's playing Regista. So 
Um, very pleased with his performance. Um, I would give him an, a seven as well. I think that that's a, a solid, you know, performance. The goal kind of helps that gives it, you know, maybe what would have been a six point five. Um, the the seven uh, is is you get that little half half point notch for for the goal there. All right, let's talk about uh, someone who I'm having some issues with, uh, Mikitarian. He's had an issue with ball retention all year. Um, in the final third, he's not as incisive as he typically, you know, he is at the beginning of the year or even last year. Had Barella screaming through into the box, just put the ball out of his reach. In what was honestly like a simple, a simple pass that he should have completed. Uh, his one shot attempt skied it over the bar. I don't know what he's giving to this team right now, other than minutes um, and chasing players down, but. There's just so many times where I'm like, what are you doing throughout the game? And the question that I have for you is not so much like about what you saw today, but more so your thoughts on this potential two-year renewal that has been discussed. You know, Pimenta is saying that we're right at the end of the details. I think of guys that are, you know, coming out of contract like Ziedlinski or Elmas is coming up as well. Like I would take either of those guys over Mikitarian, and I know that they'll cost more in terms of the the wages. But if this is what he looks like now, like is am I to expect that the ball retention is going to get better? Am I to expect that his sharpness in the final third is going to get better? I'm not. While I would have been earlier in the year, like all in for Mickey renewal, let's keep the, uh, you know, let's keep the midfield intact. I'm I'm now firmly in the camp of like we can find another solution we can find another solution yeah no i would agree with you um he's not someone that excites me anymore uh i appreciate what he's done he has played well for the most part um but it's like you you could just see the age and it's like are we going to keep doing the same things we almost gave a a contract to jeco thank god he went to fenerbahce because we probably would have renewed him as well although based on what we've gotten from our third and fourth strike options Maybe he wouldn't have been the worst thing, but his lack of pace was crippling at times for us last year. And it was very, um, it would stop any attacking play that was being built up. And we just can't have that. And with Mikitarian, more so than him stopping, because obviously he's still able to run. Um, obviously he's not the quickest of foot, but he is not you know slow either. Um, but it's just the decision making and the, the time it takes to make a decision and the inability to make a simple pass sometimes it's it's frustrating and i agree with you whether it's zielinski or or elmas or i mean i know there's other guys who are going to be coming up and you know we can do that research when the time comes but i'm sure there's going to be better options younger options maybe even some cheaper options than him that we don't even know about right now that we haven't looked into um but i i think it's not worth it to give him a two-year deal at all i think that would just be money wasted um, and that's the thing, like when we when we take two steps forward and making good moves and smart purchases and, and really building for the future, then we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot by doing something like this where you just throw money away. You know, even like the way with um Arnatovic, you know, that 10 million, if we coughed up an extra two, you have Retegi now. I think that he would have been needing the time that he's getting now at Genoa to be able to start and grow, um, which he would not have been or it would not have been available to him at Inter. But, you know, you see stuff like that and you're like, why, why are we throwing money away like this? Because even if Oretegui is a bust and he doesn't turn out to be anything, you could sell him 
12, 15 million. You know, you can make that money back at the very least. We're never getting money back for Arnatovic. So it's it's just little things that I wish we would not do these things where we extend senior players like this who are kind of way past their prime. But who knows? I mean, nothing's I know we're close to the finish line, but nothing's certain. You know, maybe he'll get greedy and he'll want more money, and that'll be the best thing for us that he doesn't get it. Yeah, if he's extended, I hope it's just depth. You know, I hope they're either giving the reins to Fratesi next year or bringing in like a Kefren Turam or, you know, any like I, I'm I'm over Mikitarian day in and, and day out. I just think that he's held us back this year. But there's been a midfielder that I think I think we can make it. Can we call it officially? Barella is back. I think we can officially say that 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's the little things and the big things. It's the flicks onto Dumfries um, to set him through. It's making the runs. You know, Lautaro found him in the first half, a beautiful run into the box. He's been way more offensively on his game recently, but also defensively had a beautiful tackle on Cavada in the box. And then, of course, you know, that slalom to score the goal. I'm calling it now. It's uh, he's back. It's Barella season, and um, we need him. We need him to be at his best, and uh, he's given it to us. I'm 100% on board with that. I am so glad that we're seeing these types of performances from him, and I think it's just going to be unlock another layer to our our play that he is playing like this, which will only you know just improve our our title chances. Um, I'm not ready to call it just yet, but I think that it, you know we're trending in the right direction, and I'm super excited for it, especially if he's going to be playing like this. So, yeah, like um, extremely excited uh, with him, and I hope that he continues to have these kinds of impacts and and continues to to um, partake in the in the goal scoring, whether it be by getting them himself or assisting on them. That, that that's that's huge. Who had the better game, Lautaro Martinez or Marcus Turam? Mm, dude. Very dude, tough. Dude. Dude. Mm. I'm going to say Turam only because he had a goal offside by like a half an inch or a shoulder, whatever you want to call it. And he did score. Um, Lautaro with that skied shot that, that probably killed a pigeon as it flew out of the, the Stadio Maradona. Maradona. Wow. Wow. Hearing me say that now just sounded like I had a mini stroke, but um, yeah, no, it was. Um, it, it's got to go to Taram. I w- yeah, I have to give him the edge personally. Yeah, he he did put a couple balls in the back of the net. Only one of them counted today. Um, really good strength and hold up play, as we've seen all year. Could have had a, a second or a third, depending on how you want to say it. With uh, he had a, a point blank shot blocked. Um, mm-hmm. and just yeah. had a good finish to put away the, the Cuadrado assist. So he was good today. I mean, obviously all of that involvement in and around the goal, even though, you know, some of it doesn't count, uh, it means that he's getting himself in good positions and, you know, he's developing as a striker, another goal contribution for Turam, who I think is surpassing everyone's, you know, expectations for how he would have looked just to start the season. Um, Got to give Lautaro some love, though. Was really good at um, getting in the mixer and getting involved, finding space in between the defense and midfield to uh, combine with whether it was Augusto, whether it was Barella. Um, he was definitely making himself available today. Did you think there was anything in the challenge that Di Lorenzo had on him in the first half where he 
you know, he threw his foot out at it and Medet made a nice save, but um, he did have Di Lorenzo, like, you know, on him, on his back. Was there anything in that for you or nothing? For me, no. Like, I wasn't really too too upset with it or too um what's the word i'm looking for too bothered really like i mean you know it could have gone either way really in my opinion i don't don't think there was anything in it i yeah i could see where where some might might say that but again it's it's one of those instances where i think you're just anybody you're going to be biased towards your club and you're going to want the the call there but I, I've since we started doing this, I've been trying, trying. I'm not saying I've been successful all the time, but I've been trying to be a little more objective and try to see it from both sides and try to see it like how would I feel if that was called on my club. Um, and I think that kind of like pushes me in a direction of like I can't really get too you know up in arms about it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like he was being pulled back. He did there was contact being made and and a little bit of holding, but it wasn't anything that I think could merit uh merit a <laughs> I like a that. Penalty. Well done. Uh but he gets he gets an assist. He should have had a goal today as well. Um his the the little hold up flicks that him and Barella do are really on point. Um I know that's when he's doing stuff like that, he's really he's at the top of his game. So Great game from Lautaro. As far as the substitutes go, we talked about Augusto had himself a good game. Cuadrado gets an assist. Again, looks really dangerous in the final third and someone that I want to see more minutes from. Pratezi, Bisek, Arnautovic, good for them for getting on the field. Were not involved enough for us to discuss. So that's uh, that's Napoli-Inter. Inter is back on top of the table after Juventus's. <laughs> ridiculous win against Monza. Um, we're ahead by two points. The goal differential is we're on 26. Juventus is on 13. I mean, we're blowing. Here's the thing about, about the Scudetto. And I felt this way when Milan won it a couple of years ago. The best team in the league is not the team that is guaranteed to win the Scudetto. I think we've shown through 14 rounds we are the best team in the league. But we're only two points and one bad game away from Juventus who plays not good football from being the winner, right? It's you have to have consistency and you have to do it over, over those 38 matches. So I've seen a maturity from Inter to this year. I mean, obviously we can't have the things that happen against Sassuolo and Bologna happen with the other small sides and say, I was, as we move forward, but I think we can definitively say like, we're the strongest team in the league this year. Now it's a matter of whether we can be the most consistent team in the league. Um, and get that, that second star. Yeah. I mean, I think that was well said, you know, that's definitely something where we have to not get complacent and now allow ourselves to, to have lapses in, in, in focus because, you know that that could be it. That could we can have a moment where we we drop the ball against an Atalanta and we miss a penalty, or you know we drop points to a a, a squad that's in the relegation zone like we did against Genoa, where we, that we had that nil nil draw. You know, and then when you think about the Bologna game, that's just something that that's inexcusable. But you know that you could if you look at that season where we we lost it by just a point, you know under a microscope, there was a lot of things. Um, that you could point to that may have had a play in why we didn't have it, you know, um, the title that year. 
And what we are seeing this season, thank goodness, you know, in the third year with Inzaghi is a level of maturity, a level of a drive to not only just finish the win, but also kill it and not give them any hope, um, which I think is is massive when you're when you're like you said, you know, pushing for for a title. Um, and I hope that they just continue this way because the talent is there. You know, we we on paper have the strongest start at 11. You could argue the the deepest bench. Probably probably is accurate that we do in, in, in at least in Serie A, maybe not in Europe, but definitely in Serie A. Um, so we can we can we can just finish this, man. Like I want that second star. I know all Interisti do across uh, across the the country or the world, whatever however you want to look at it. And um, we're so close. It feels like you know we're 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 a third of the way there. Like let's let's do it. Yeah. And even with as uh, as much shit as being talked about Milan these days, they're only six points behind us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, over the course of a year, it's like these things are are going to continue to stay tight. Even if you feel really good about your team, you know, Milan is only six points behind and they shouldn't give up either. The gauntlet for Inter is not over. We said after we were coming back from the international break, we'd be heading into a string of, of very difficult games. That doesn't slow down. Udinese is coming to town. Uh, on Saturday um, should be a good game, and that's that's a game that Inter needs to pick up points in because we're coming up against Lazio away, which has always been you know a back and forth fixture. We've got Bologna in the Coppa Italia, tricky side. Lecce coming up, tricky side. Um, and in the midst of all of that, we have a Champions League first place in the group decider against Sociedad at San Siro, which should be another really good game and one that I am keeping an eye on very much so in terms of how I'm thinking about what Inter can do in Europe this year. But I also see that, you know, the casuals aren't going to, aren't going to put respect on their name, but they're a really, really good team, really, really good team. And we'll, we would do well to beat them and go through first in the group. So um, yeah, the, the grind doesn't stop. We will be with you guys on uh, Saturday. Um, that's it for today, I think. And then um, I was looking over the tweet about the predictions. Oh, yes. And nobody got the score right. However, Ronald Pena did get, was the only guy to give Inter um, three goals. He said 3-1. So he was he was the closest, I would say, um, to the, the actual prediction. And, yeah, Ronald... Uh, you said you listen. I know you've been in uh, the DM, so I will uh, be reaching out to you after this and, and asking for your uh, your address so we can send you uh, the Nicolo Barella card. Congrats, man. I think uh, Mr. Is it Alpha Bravo. Bravo, he won yeah. the Barella card. He won, he won the Lautaro card. Oh, the Lautaro card. Yeah, for that, that, one, that, that one was just randomized on a, on a wheel spin thing, and, and he won it. Awesome. And he said he never um, wins, so I'm happy for him. <laughs> somebody, Somebody's going to get these cards. And hopefully this is such an amazing season that they uh, they go up in value. Although, don't get rid of it. These are priceless, priceless, yeah, priceless art from the interviews pod. All right, guys. In the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza ragazzi, Forza ragazzi, Forza ragazzi. Forza ragazzi.